0: Welcome to Rethinking Youth Ministry, a podcast from the Orange Students team. Our mission is to help you, the youth leader, influence the next generation. And we do that through this podcast, other resources, and our weekly curriculum, XP3. If you'd like to learn more, check out orangestudents.com. But for now, let's get started with this week's episode.
1: Hey everyone, I'm CJ, and today I'm joined by Crystal. Hey there. Candace. Hey. And Brett. Hey, hey. Brett, again, two hosts on the same podcast, but you are actually joining us on the panel side today, and I'm thrilled. Uh, We're going to have a good conversation today as we talk about what to do when real life collides with youth ministry. And what we're really talking about today is what it looks like to make it through life's ups and downs, moments of grief or loss, and really just life's messier moments Mm -hmm. while at the same time trying to lead a youth ministry, because... When our lives get shaken up, most of us can't just check out of our ministries. Sunday's coming, and Sunday we might have to get up on stage, might have to speak or lead a game, even though we don't feel like playing a game right now because whatever just happened happened, or we don't feel like we want to speak a message because maybe we're the ones who need to get poured into, whatever the case may be. That's kind of what we're talking about this week. And uh, I know all of us around the table have faced all of those real-life colliding with youth ministry moments, and I thought a good place for us to start uh, would be for us to share some of those. Yeah. So what 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 have you gone through in your time leading youth ministries? Uh, what have you gone through as you've led youth ministries, and what real-life things have maybe blindsided you along the way?
0: I'll, I'll jump in with one. I've got some heavier ones that maybe will come out at some point, but I've, a lighter one at the beginning. So... Um, I have three children, um, at this stage in life, they are six, eight and 10 years old, uh, but they haven't always been that old. That's kind of how aging works, Candace.
2: (laughs) I had no idea. Um,
0: So at one point they were younger and I had one of those children that didn't really know Adult sleeping rhythms when they were when they were born, like they didn't know <laughs> they were like, nocturnal. Hey, stay <laughs> asleep when you fall asleep and leave us alone, so we can get sleep. All those kind of things I didn't figure that out yet. And so, I remember we were in a staff meeting, and it was October. Which do you guys know what month October is? Uh, <laughs> Pastor Appreciation Month. So oh, we fine. had just been taken out as a staff to this big pasta lunch, and we were coming back to our staff meeting. And I had probably gotten an hour and a half of sleep the night before, oh. and a giant pasta lunch in my stomach. <laughs> and we've we're, we have we're doing our staff <laughs> meeting, and everybody's kind of going around and doing their updates. And my friend Mandy, who was the care pastor at that point all her updates were always huge bummers because they were always about people that were sick or people that were in in the hospital. And so okay. she's talking through bummer this. Yeah. <laughs> so she's talking through these terrible things. And I find myself, you know, when you find yourself and like mentally you're like, oh no, like my, I can't keep my eyes open. Like I've got to do something or else I'm going to fall asleep. And then my next conscious moment was just everyone laughing at me. And in my head, I was like, I did it. I fell asleep in a staff <laughs> meeting. Oh, no. And then I opened my eyes, and everyone's looking at me, and everyone's laughing at me. So that was a little bit embarrassing. Luckily, we yeah. had a pretty good, fun team, and everybody kind of understood the season of life that I was in. But uh,
1: yeah. Yeah. That's definitely real life hitting you right, right there in staff Right meeting. in the eyelids. <laughs> <laughs> Candice, Crystal?
2: Oh, I have one. Um, so lots of people are adults who are singles and are totally fine with it. I was not in that category. So there was a (laughs) long time where I was uh, single in youth ministry and didn't really want to be. And I was dating this guy at our church and I was on my way to go to our youth ministry. And um, I was speaking that night and I think the service started at 6.30 and we were on the phone breaking up at 5.30. Oh, no. And so I'm rolling into the parking lot like, you know how it is. Like, there's a breakup. You're, like, fighting back tears. So I, I walk into, like, one of the toddler preschool rooms. I'm sitting in this, like, tiny chair, yep. <laughs> crying my eyes out, thinking about all the germs around me, and <laughs> thinking about the fact that not only do I have to get up and, like, have a personality and teach that night, but he's the sound guy that night.
3: What? So oh. we're
2: about to see each other. What a turd. He knew that you oh, were. Oh, he knew. He for sure wow. knew. He for sure knew.
0: Gosh. And
2: it was just like a Ugh, game face on as soon as I can find a game face. That's <laughs> awful. I, yeah. yeah,
1: that is. That is. Candice?
2: Wow.
3: My Honestly, my real life that has collided with ministry um, has been really just real, real, really hard stuff. It's mm. not like, mm. you know, just my kids didn't sleep at night. It didn't really bother me, you know? Okay. <laughs> um, I, I guess I got used to not sleeping. But yeah, I say, um, but for me, one of the more challenging, well, the most challenging, probably the most challenging thing that I have been through in the past 10 years of my life. I would say was, was when I graduated seminary, I had just moved down to South Florida. I had been there probably six months maybe, mm-hmm. and maybe not even six months. And, um, um, I got a phone call that my mother was on her deathbed mm-hmm. Oh, and ended up flying to DC, you know, and just checking out of ministry for probably a month. Um And I had just got to this church, so that was and I mean she didn't pass away, but we I had lost her, how I had known her mm-hmm. for the first 25 years of my life yeah. mm. wow. um, so that 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 was very, very challenging and and I, I mean, when I think of real, my real life colliding with ministry i, I um that's what comes out the yeah. most to me that's what stands out the most
1: how long ago was was that It was ten years ago wow, mm-hmm. So what what did your so what did it look like to return to ministry after that that month?
3: Yeah. So <laughs> So when I returned, that's when I think that, that that situation, because I was gone for, you know, for it might have been a month, might have been a little longer, might have been a little shorter. I don't remember that that whole that's that time is a big blur to me. Um, but when I left, I checked out and where I was serving at the time, you know, within you know the context that I came from, it was it's, it's not uncommon for. You know, sometimes within a black church for there to be one youth leader that's over, you know, birth to 12th grade. So I oversaw mm-hmm. everybody. Mm-hmm. And oh. so it was we had um, our children's worship on Sunday mornings and nobody knew where anything was. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and when I left, I left. People were calling, texting me just to check on me. Um, my voicemail was full and I let it be full. So no one knew where anything was. Um and I came back and I met with our leaders and sat down there at the conference room table and they let me have it. Mm. You, th- I thought that they would be, really? oh, we were being so sympathetic to you, and yeah, they literally let me have it. Oh. Um, oh. Now, granted, my pers- my perception was of course a little bit skewed because I was grieving, yeah. so they could have been a being a lot nicer than what I remember. But in the moment, I remember feeling really, really attacked. Um, But also realizing in that moment that I could not structure ministry around me and I could not be the keeper of all information. Hmm. Hmm. And you never know when things are going to happen. And I needed to be duplicating myself and structuring my team differently. And I need to have different processes Hmm. in place. Mm -hmm.
1: Wow. It sounds like you grew up as a ministry leader very quickly through through all of that.
3: Yeah, well at that point I had been leading for a couple of years, <laughs> but it was part-time. That was my when I just got into full-time ministry. Yeah. Well, yeah. and so And I
1: think that's kind of the spectrum we're talking about today a little bit. Uh, when we talk about real life, real life really is, you know, I'm not getting sleep. It's, it's real life is my relationship just ended and I do have to go on and speak or play this game tonight. And real life is something tragic has happened yeah. and is totally mm-hmm. wrecking my world right now. And I still have these responsibilities coming up a few days from now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But before we move on, I'd love to know, so w- we, we've shared a, a few stories, but what are some other real life things that youth leaders can be walking through that can make leading our ministries week to week really challenging. Like what are other life things that tend to tend to come up? Yeah.
2: Well, as soon as we started talking about this episode, I started thinking about the year where I was serving in youth ministry and my own parents were in the middle of getting a divorce mm. and family was wild and it's, both were misbehaving and teaching things like honor your parents got really weird and then yeah. I started to think about all of my friends in ministry and some of you probably have experienced this where your family is in the church like your family of origin is part of the church yeah. and how much more complicated church politics mm. and all the different aspects of church life gets when it's your brother-in-law or your mother-in-law yeah. or your stepmom or that sort of thing. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, and let's talk about you know finances. can be a big a big part totally. of that yep. for a lot of for a lot of student pastors who probably are underpaid, but they're doing what they feel like God is is calling them to do, what they love to do, and so they're wrestling with, okay, what do I, how do I mm-hmm. how do I do this for me or for my family yeah. versus how do I continue to do that through working for a church? Yeah, totally.
3: I think there are the things that we, you, pe- things that are, that are, you know, evident that people know that you're going through certain things that are just obvious. You know, if you lose someone, you know, if you're dealing with this, sometimes an illness, you know, people might know that you're sick or, um, you know, all different, you know, I don't know if you got a, a situation with the child that is just really, really obvious. Some of the, some of those things that you go through that just are more out there and publicly mm-hmm. on display, but yeah. then there's the things that are more internal that, yeah. People just cannot see that yeah. you walk around wearing the mask and keeping mm-hmm. inside of you, inside of you that nobody knows but you yep, and yeah. whoever is in your close inner circle.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think of things like maybe you're married and you're having marriage troubles, right. or maybe yeah. you, you're having you know infertility issues, or maybe yep. maybe you 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 know ha- did lose a child or yep. something mm-hmm. like that, or or a pregnancy you know failed or something like that. All these things that especially in a youth ministry space are
0: probably not going to be broadcast. Yeah. Uh, one, go ahead. One of the one of the worst weeks of ministry I remember is we, we had a miscarriage, our first, our first one. Already starting, starting to get emotional. Um and we, you know, the the day we found out we were pregnant, we were one of the couples that, you know, we told everybody at church. We were telling all of our friends and everything like that. We were, we were super excited about it. And had no idea the percentage of mm. of, of miscarriages that, that tend to happen because who wants to
3: who yeah. wants to to,
0: t- to talk about yeah, that? Nobody, it's yeah. awful. Like, oh, you're pregnant, congratulations. Well, let me tell you about some statistics. Like right. that's the like nobody wants to do that. And then it was, you know, a month later or however, however long it was. And but everybody's always coming up. How you feeling, Courtney? How's the baby? Like every single week that would happen. And then you've got that week where yeah you've just miscarried and then people are asking you about things and it's like, do we say something? Do we not say something? But yeah, all, all of those things where it's like mm-hmm. internally, like you've got to figure out how am I going to, how in the world am I going to handle this situation? I don't want to show yeah. up. My wife doesn't want to show up. We don't want to deal with these questions and all yeah. these different conversations. Yeah, totally. Candace, another one of these internal ones that I feel like I'm hearing more and more about is pastors that are going through not necessarily a crisis of faith, but are just Mm. having questions or are wrestling through some things that, that their faith communities just don't seem willing Mm -hmm. to allow them to walk through the same path that, you know, that non, non pastoral people Mm -hmm. might, might be walking through. I know that I've wrestled with that in some ways where there are, and we talked about before on this podcast as leaders of students there are some things that aren't appropriate for us to talk about with them about totally. like right. well you know I'm not really sure about this or I'm not really sure mm. about that and so there are always things that I think probably most of us feel attention mm. with our faith about certain things that whether it's because of the church or whether it's because of the tradition or whatever it might be we're supposed to talk about things like this and we're at a place where we're like I don't like I don't know but I don't know that I'm a I don't know that I have a place to say that mm-hmm. I don't know mm-hmm. yeah
3: you know i think one of the one of the um, things that is not really mentioned when you accept a call to ministry when you accept a job as a youth director or whatever but when we accept those positions when we assume those responsibilities there are certain things that we agree that we agree to that we don't always realize and i think that when you accept the position of being in charge of the youth and you place yourself in front of people. Um, I won't say a public figure, <laughs> but to some degree you are you know yeah, a public figure yeah. or you're a watched figure. Yeah, totally. And people look at you and they observe you and they watch you. And when they, you're going through those things that are obvious, they are looking at you. They might not necessarily be doing it consciously, but they're looking at you to see how you're going to respond. Right. And it's, I know with the situation with my mother, there was, every, it was no secret, you know, what was happening. And there was, I remember vividly, there was one situation where I realized, it just so happened to be on a Sunday morning while they were singing some particular song and I was crying that um, mm. I realized that I had an opportunity to show people how to greet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I had an opportunity to, you know, have my life on display and let them to know how to walk through something without being consumed, yeah. and how to walk through something and and not allow yourself to be just crushed and destroyed. You know, like yeah, I was ended up on the floor, bawling, boohoo, crying. But afterwards, I got up and I'm just like, all right, yeah, let's go. You know, um, and and they're like, are you okay? And I'm like, that was so cathartic. Like yeah. just being able to praise God and release. And I'm a very private person, so that's not. N- yeah. But I realized that in my role. I'm not afforded the opportunity to go through things in isolation.
1: Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So that is one of the opportunities we have here. Mm -hmm. And I would agree with you there. But I would also say that's one of the biggest dangers, Mm -hmm. I think, too. Just because when we feel that our lives are on display in that way, I think it sometimes pushes us to... Process these things and process life in unhealthy ways because yeah. you feel the mm-hmm. eyes on you and you're like I've got to push through or I've got to process it, you know, and make sure I look okay doing yeah. it because I'm right. modeling it, right. and I think can drive us to some in an, in some unhealthy directions, which I think we'll get into in a little yeah. bit.
2: Candice, I love how you said I have the chance to demonstrate how to grieve and demonstrate how to walk through. Like mm. everything you said sounded like. I'm demonstrating something for a period of time. Right. yeah. And I feel like I've I've felt the pressure and I've seen other people in youth ministry feel the pressure to go through something hard and immediately flip flip it and talk mm. about how great it was. Right, you know, yeah. Lost a child, but for the glory of the Lord. Like, that's not <laughs> mm. how that works. Yeah. That's not yeah. how real life works. And, and there's yeah, this and that's sense kind of, a, of like just yeah. within seconds just flipping it and talking about how grateful you are for that experience and nobody believe she
3: So and
1: I, I and that's kind of what I was getting at sorry Candice go ahead
3: so, and I'm not, and, I, and I'm glad you brought that up because that's, that's not, that's not exactly what I'm saying. Cause there were sure. weeks yeah. that I I don't think I did. that was what yeah, you were saying. It wasn't what I was saying, but it's just, I guess it's in some, there's, there's a way of grieving where you're just walking around and wallowing and yeah. you mm-hmm. become, you know, depressed and you start slipping down that. Now there's some people who are clinically depressed and if that's, you know, that's, that's a completely different situation. That's right. different. Um, that I'm, that's, I'm not talking about that, but there's a, there's a, a way that we have the ability to walk in our grief and demonstrate it, because I know. But but my students, I mean, I had a relationship with my students where I, I mean, I was gone and they asked me and we talked about it. But I shared without what I was able to share. And when I was, what I was not okay talking about, I said, I'm just not. I'm just not there yet. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. And they knew that it was an active part of my life. That it right. wasn't like, hey, I had this moment of catharsis on this Sunday morning and everything is over. all good. Right. And it's over. No. Yeah. You know. Um. I even still. This was ten years ago, y'all. I still cry about losing my mother like that. I mean, I still do, you know, because it was such a major point and that's how grief I could go on and on. I'll just stop.
0: Well, I I think that that so often as, as, as spiritual leaders, shall Mm -hmm. we say, I think that we do such a disservice to our congregation in general, whether we're talking about adults, whether we're talking about students or whatever, when we, when we don't, allow ourselves to walk through this stuff in some sort of public manner Mm -hmm. because they, whether, whether we're talking about faith, whether we're talking about, uh, grief, whether we're talking about other life circumstances, when we don't, when we don't walk through those things in some way, in a healthy public way, then people assume that, Yep. That we're, Mm -hmm. that that we're not the same as them and we don't have these questions and we don't wrestle Mm
3: -hmm. in,
0: in, in this same way. And I think it just sets, it sets us up for failure that we're not going to be able to live up to what we feel like we're supposed to be as a leader. Mm -hmm. And I feel like for the people that are looking up to us that we're leading, it gives them an unrealistic expectation of how they, of how Mm -hmm. they should handle things. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, you know, that's really good. And I think it's, it's, you know, sometimes people think that you know people in leadership within the church are exempt from from going yeah. through stuff, and you're not exempt. Um, but I do think that it's 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 a great opportunity for for them to receive. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think I think you can you can own that grief isn't weakness and it isn't wrong without going to the extreme of 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 pushing through too quickly or mm-hmm. or you know almost baking it too quickly, right. you know what I mean? Does yeah. that make sense a yeah. little bit?
2: It's interesting, we talked about this idea um, in a series, all of us work for an organization that creates curriculum called Orange, and we talked about this in a series about tragedy, mm. and about how we were telling students, you can't go around pain, and skip to the good part, but right. you also can't stay stuck where you are, in yeah. the bad part and that's so easy to teach students yeah. so hard to do as an adult It is,
0: and for me one of the, one of the most challenging things I've ever had to lead through in, in ministry was we had a few suicides at the last church that I was at of of some of our, uh, some of our students and processing through grief and pain at that level, while at the same time you are trying to lead others through, through that process. I just don't, I mean, I, I've I've been through it multiple times now, and I still can't tell you necessarily how. I mean, it's just it's just hard, and it's difficult, and it, and it's painful. And I remember I remember one Sunday morning when it was kind of our first the first time that all of our students had gotten together um, since it happened. And I remember having conversations about making an intentional choice that I was going to get on stage and. And I was going to be a mess Mm -hmm. and I was going to be, and I was going to be fine with that. Um, And I even remember in that moment understanding, but there's such a fine line here between I want, I want my students to see me grieve and to see me push back against God and to, and, and to wrestle with the, with the pain and the grief that I feel in that moment. But I can't get on stage and do what I want to so that I feel better when I walk off. Hmm. Like there's that responsibility of whatever I do when I'm on that stage, it has to be better for the students. Mm -hmm. The focus has to be on how are they processing this? How Mm -hmm. are they handling this? It can, so, you know, talking about those, you know, those moments of worships and and those, uh, as leaders, I just know for me, I have to be careful that if I'm gonna go up on stage and I'm gonna process something, I want it to be because they, they're they seeing someone give them permission yeah.
3: mm-hmm. to say,
0: what in the world, God? Like, like I don't understand mm-hmm. this. This doesn't make sense to me. I, I am mad. I am mm-hmm. hurt. I am broken because of this. But it can't just be a cathartic mm-hmm. release mm-hmm. for me. And sometimes that's such a fine line, especially when we're not in a healthy place, mm-hmm. to figure out what, what mm-hmm. is good for me to hop up here and talk about and what what would just be self serving.
1: Yeah, your your platform and your students are not your counselor. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you that is not the place to be uh, you know, processing that for yourself. Yep. I mean going back to what Candace is saying, there is power in the in demonstrating how your how you are processing it yeah. from a you know from the platform, but that is not the space for you to to be uh repairing yourself yeah. in in a way. Mm-hmm. And we
0: and we can't emotionally manipulate students into thinking they're totally. supposed to be feeling certain mm-hmm. things. That yep. was one thing that I wanted to be so careful about is, listen, you know, you know, obviously with, you know, depending on the size of of, of your group, if there's something like a death or a suicide that happens within your group, there are some that are going to be grieving and there yeah. are some that are going to be, you know, grieving, not because they knew them, but just because it's an emotional situation. And there are some that might not really, feeling much because they feel kind of removed from the situation and the last thing that we should be doing is trying to convince those people of what everyone should be should be feeling and so it's just so there's just such a fine line i feel like of how do we how do we model Mm -hmm. what you're talking about how to walk through this stuff how do we model a healthy way of being vulnerable while while not creating this unhealthy atmosphere and we're just dumping all of our stuff on people yeah. because we have the opportunity mm-hmm. and the platform to do it
3: and I want I wonder if the way that you navigate through some of the things that if if the church is going through something communally versus you going through something personally yeah and mm-hmm. whether you and what whether that looks different that's a great distinction a great... I, don't, I don't know if it looks if it looks in my mind to some degree it looks different but I don't know exactly where that difference might lie you know because honestly if if i was in your position as leading that youth ministry with the suicides i probably would not have had the same moment that i had with my mother Hmm. because i would have felt i would have felt like i had a responsibility to, to show them strength you know i probably would have cried but i probably would not have gone down you know as far as i did you know but then honestly but also some things that you go through there's just certain reactions that you have, and you're like, "Wait, where'd that come from?" Yep. You know, um, because I, mm-hmm. I mean, they, I remember vividly that moment. You know, it was it was a it was in quote unquote big church. You know, mm-hmm. and they were singing this song, um, "It Ain't Over" by Marret Brown Clark. I think that's her name. And they were saying, she was saying, you know, the song was um, "It Ain't Over" until God says it's over. Keep fighting until your victory was won. And I watched my mother literally lay in the intensive care, fight for her life, mm. and it just broke me in that way, you know, but I wonder if you process differently when it's communal and shared grief versus something that you're independently experiencing.
0: I, I I totally think so. Mm. And I I think that, I think that one of the challenges of ministry is that we often feel both of those, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like because of our role in ministry and how how relational it is, there were, there were so many, you know, there are so many situations where I feel like I'm I'm processing grief or something communally because it's it's you know it's our church mm-hmm. somebody in our church that has suffered through this but it's also somebody in my small group mm-hmm. or it's also one of my kids friends families or it's somebody I'm really connected with and so I know that was just mm-hmm. always it, it was just always a challenge for me of trying to figure out how do I. I mean, shoot, let's talk about, you know, funerals for people mm-hmm. that we love and we care yeah. about. How do we, how, do, how do we get up and, and mm-hmm. honor them at the same time, grieve ourselves at the same time, help other people processing, processing grief, especially when we're talking about, you know, suicides, accidental deaths, early deaths, different things like that, where there's just people who mm-hmm. have all sorts of questions and frustrations and pushback. And how do we, how do we balance how we're processing it? And how it doesn't make sense to to yeah. us, and the, and, the, and then maybe the faith questions that this is bringing up in us versus standing in front of a congregation at a funeral, and yeah. how how do you how do you reconcile yeah. those things? I would also
1: say going back to you know if it's different communally versus you know individually, what I, what I was processing is I do I agree with Brett. I think that I think there is a difference, and I would say if it's something your ministry is going through communally. The difference is the stakes are higher to make sure you're getting the help you need. Mm. And what I mean by that is, if your ministry is going through something and you're feeling it too, you're more than likely pouring yourself out, much like you've been, you know, in that situation, mm-hmm. Brett, into your students. And all the more important to make sure on the back end, someone's mm. taking care of you. You might be able to get by if you're not, you know, if it's not a communal thing, and you're not pouring yourself out. You might be able to get by a little bit easier without being poured into, it and, and honestly, just kind of hide that a little bit more. But boy, you will run yourself dry super Mm. quickly if you're trying to pour yourself out and you're not taking care of yourself as you're processing all of that that too. So over the past couple of minutes, we've kind of really unpacked the heavier side of the life colliding with youth ministry kind of stuff. But as we talked about at the beginning of this episode, there is a spectrum of this traumatic stuff to some some lighter stuff. But at the end of the day, it is all hitting us and affecting our lives and our ministries. Yep. So what does it look like, regardless of this life situation, what does it look like to stay healthy as we're leading through some of life's tougher moments, whether it is finances, a relationship, or even death or something like that?
3: Well, I personally think that it's just, it's, it's helpful. If you are serving in ministry, it's helpful to have a therapist, Um, Because you, you are Walking with so many different people Through life And you might not be going through something That's terribly challenging at the time but as you walk with different people, and especially, you know, when you when you really love the people and you're really there and try to support them, um, it gets kind of hard to, to walk with them, and, you know, and, and, and through mm-hmm. some of the things that they walk through. So having a therapist that you can process your feelings about the things that other people are going through, you know, yeah. is very, very helpful um, for you not to internalize the things that they're, that they're going through. So that's one of the ways that I would recommend um, staying healthy and then having a hobby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ministry isn't a hobby. Yep. I mean, it's fun, but... Can we say ministry is a hobby? Is not a hobby, no. is it?
0: No. That's that was that was going to be my first one is yeah. that there there has to be something that you can do outside of ministry that that gives you life. We can just unplug for a little bit that we just really enjoy that we get something mm-hmm. out of. I remember having a conversation with a pastor one time who loved doing like stuff in his yard he loved taking care of his his yard all that stuff uh, just like my man CJ does right in here um, he literally has a long care nut sticker on his water bottle oh, right now and wait wait to call me out I don't think this is the episode to get into long care tips so maybe we'll talk about that later that's um, his other podcast yeah um, no but he but he that was that was his passion. He loved, that was kind of his outlet. And he said that one reason he loved that is ministry is such a long game. Ministry is one of those things where you put years and years and years of yourself and you don't really see the changes mm. all the time, but you can go out and in four hours, you can see that, okay, the yard was a mess. It's not a mess anymore. There weren't flowers there. Now there are flowers and this looks really good. So whatever that is for you where you can do something, whatever that outlet is, for me right now in this season of life, it's golf. Like there's, there's nothing that walking 18 holes of golf doesn't give me a better perspective on. In life. And so whatever that is for us, I think it's so vital that we have that thing and that we allow ourselves to indulge in that on a regular basis and that we don't, you know, convince ourselves to feel guilty or we're not good enough or we're not spiritual enough if mm-hmm. we spend, you know, five hours a week doing something that is for us. Yeah.
2: So speaking of things we like to indulge in, I love some Netflix. All right. And I particularly love a White House presidential-themed show. Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. Madam Secretary, I am here for it, at House of Cards. Yes, West Wing on repeat. Um, <laughs> and anytime there's a show like that, there you can just bank on it. If they started a brand-new presidential show tomorrow, we will eventually get to the 25th Amendment episode. <gasps> and the 25th Amendment is the amendment that says the president can no longer fulfill his or her duties because they are somehow incapacitated. And there's an episode around, you know, transferring power to the vice president. And I can't help but think of all the different times in my life and in my professional life, thinking back and going, I should have invoked a 25th Mm -hmm. amendment right then I was not able to do what I needed to do in that moment. Mm -hmm. And I just wonder what would happen if some of us decided ahead of time, what like as, as a country, we have a plan. These are the categories in which you got to call in some help. These are the categories in which you need to hand over the responsibility to somebody else, And I wonder what would happen in my own life and in our ministry lives if we said, okay, we're just going to plan for it. There will come a time when we can't perform our duties for a short time or a long time. Who's the vice president in this Mm. scenario? Like who do we Mm. hand power to and who do we hand over authority to if we have to be called out of this in a moment? Not with six weeks notice, but like today.
1: That's that's super great. And what I'm really taking from that is A West you are wing
2: reference. Is that what you're talking? <laughs> you are? The, you
1: are the president of your ministry, and you should yes. really take that uh, Hail yeah. to you. <laughs> or, or, or dictator. Maybe you're maybe you're on the dictator Czar. side.
0: I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> so I think one of the challenging things with this, uh, what does it look like for us to, to to stay healthy in the midst of these situations? is that a lot of times as the, 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 the student pastor, you know, the, the youth worker who's on staff, whatever language you wanna use, we don't have complete control over the health of the culture of our church and the culture mm-hmm. of the staff that we're on. Um, and in some ways we can only be as, as healthy as our church staff is. Does that make any sense? I know for me there were situations where I was able to go to, you know, my senior pastor and to leaders that I worked with and say, I, I need the next week off. Mm-hmm. Like I need, I need, I need a few days. I here's 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 my twenty-fifth amendment or whatever it was. <laughs> here's my plan, you know, to pass things on, but I need a few days. And I was lucky enough to be in situations where people were like, Yep, you mm-hmm. do. Or or sometimes people even brought it up to me and say, Hey. You have been carrying a lot. You mm-hmm. you need to take some time. But I know there are people listening where if if they That's went to real. their senior leader and they yeah. said, I, I I need a few days. Here's what's going on, mm-hmm. they would basically be met with can you do your job or can you not do your mm-hmm.
3: job? Wow. Do
0: Do you need to turn your two weeks in or can wow. you show up tomorrow because wow. that's your job?
3: I think having that conversation and transparency and honesty is is helpful because there have been situations when I have requested time off from leadership and it's been denied. Hmm. And I find out a year later it's because they were thinking that I was trying to slowly walk away. Mm. You know? Oh, wow. Uh-huh. But... We weren't able, they didn't share that with me, but it came around eventually. Yeah. But how how great it would have been if we were able to have that conversation um, during the moment so that I could have gotten what it is that I needed to, so the ministry can get what the ministry needs as opposed mm. to just pushing through. Because when you just push through, you're not doing anything but just covering it up a lot yeah. of times. And when you're deflecting or whatever the 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 technical term is the clinical term is when you're not addressing it you're not giving yourself the space in order to really really heal and process like yeah. you really need to
1: yeah but even still there are still going to be moments where you are driving to church and you get that overdraft notice on your phone or yes. Or, you know, and you really, you just yeah. pulled up into that church parking lot, like Crystal mm-hmm. was saying earlier, and you, you got dumped or something like whatever. that, or a relationship and you don't have to, time, you don't have time to invoke yeah. the 25th amendment or whatever. <laughs> uh-huh. Like how would you encourage, or what would you do in those really kind of difficult life moments?
2: I mean, I think we've all had those moments where we had to go game face, Uh-huh. you know what, yep. you take a deep breath. I do math problems in my head because I'm not good at math, and it forces me not to think about anything emotional. <laughs> <laughs> what is one plus one? I, I, I just bet. can't get it. <laughs> I mean, you would be shocked how long I sat in my car before doing math problems, getting the emotions together, game face on. But i That's great. If I could go back and talk to 22-year-old me or 25-year-old me, I would probably say, "Hey, you need to do less of that. Mm. There needs to be there needs to be a limit on the number of times you're in your car getting yourself yeah. together." One of the things I could also wish I could tell 25 year old me is when people tell you it's just a season, that is a dirty lie from the pits of hell. <laughs> like right. it is so easy to sprint or to grieve, you know, privately and to game face on and call it just a season when it's really just a reality.
1: Well, yeah, and that's kind of what I was getting at as far as like there are times that you're going to have to put on your game face and just do it tonight. But then if that's like happening every single month, like, okay, now there's there's more going on. And it might be have something to do with you and it might have something to do with your life or it might have something to do with the church you're in. Yeah. But identifying what's the real cause here. Is
0: this just a symptom of, of something larger going yeah. on? I, th- I think for me when I look back to those moments, probably what was the most helpful thing is that I – I had someone who I was able to quickly process things with, who was able to to kind of go there with me quickly, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but then also help me redirect yeah. Yeah. and say, yeah. hey, this reality is still gonna be the reality in two hours from now. Mm-hmm. And so let's let's leave that here. Let's leave that in this office, let's leave yeah. that in this hallway, let's leave that in on this phone call. Uh, you know, go go do what you need to do, and and then we'll we'll jump back into this yeah. into this conversation another time.
3: Yeah, I, I I agree with that. You know, there there are people in my life who I call on when when um, in those situations when I need somebody really quick, and if I don't reach them, we've got codes that that we text. Um, I can text a friend of mine, Pink Balloon, and regardless of where she is, if she's in the middle of church, Pink Balloon. If she's in the middle of church, what a great code word. <laughs> she will call me wherever she, wherever I am. She's in. The, she will call me. Stop what she's doing. And she'll call me. Everyone needs a code word. Everyone needs something that they can reach out to someone and say, and the other person is clear that it is a moment of crisis, um, and they need yeah. something. And then. That person or some, you, everyone also needs somebody who you can talk with about ministry and the drama of ministry. Hmm, because great. ministry is so challenging, and many people within ministry don't have a place where they can confide um, and just unpack without destroying the reputation of the church, the reputation of leadership, um, with, without their image being tainted, you know, because we're sold out for Christ in our yeah. church that we're serving and God forbid you say something negative about that, you know, but the reality is we go through things within the church, yeah. you know?
1: Well, I think that is a super easy free takeaway, like for all of us who are leading students in yeah. any capacity is identifying who that pink balloon friend is. Yeah. So I, I really love that super practical piece. And, and speaking of practical pieces, as we wrap up, do you have any more practical advice you would share with someone the next time real life collides with youth ministry, whether they're going through something right now or whether something's just
0: uh, on the horizon? Yeah, let me speak to those situations where you've got to stand up on a stage and deliver a message, and you just got kind of you know dealt some mm-hmm. difficult news. Um, this kind of goes back to a little bit of what we talked about earlier. I think it's totally okay for you to start the conversation with, with your students and just say, Hey, before we jump into this, do you guys mind if we just kind of spend a little bit of time in prayer? I had a terrible day today, or I just got, I just got some bad news and I just, I just want to kind of clear my mind before we jump into you know, into the message today so that even I don't miss out on what, on what God has for us. Hmm. Again, in some ways we you know, just because we're going through something doesn't mean that you know, that doesn't mean that that's the spirit telling us to talk about something totally different. That's not our opportunity that we have a platform and we can have public counseling. But I do think that there is something about that healthy vulnerability to be able to get on stage and say, I had a really tough day, but I don't want to miss out on what God has for us. So let's 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 all take a deep breath, especially for me before before we jump into this tonight. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally.
3: Well, since you ended with deep breath, I'll, I'll pick up there because um, mine was really, really simple and it was just breathe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes when we we just don't take a minute to just and just breathe and inhale and exhale the way that we need to, um, to really just get our blood flowing and to just take a moment and to just stop because um, that, that just breathing is just so helpful with that. Mm.
2: One of the most helpful things to me in professional life now and in the early years is there were always two sets of people in mind that I felt like I had to have in my life. One was safe people inside the church. Like not a lot, but maybe one group. I remember a church I served at for about 10 years. There was a couple uh, named Buck and Beth Webb, and they were my safe people. And nothing I said left their house. Mm -hmm. But they were a little... A little bit, not a lot, but a little bit older than me. <laughs> a little bit, a lot wiser than me. Um, and we're just a safe place to process because sometimes talking to people outside the church is helpful, but they also have no context for the, the kind of dysfunction we're yeah, talking yeah. to them about. Um, and then the other category is somebody outside the situation. An outside perspective is so helpful because I don't know if anybody experiences this but me, but whatever organization I'm in tends to be the thing that takes up all the space in my brain. Hmm. Whatever my job is, whether it was teaching or ministry or something else, it takes up all the space in my brain. And it's so helpful to have somebody outside of that who thinks it's not that big a deal hmm. to tell me sometimes like, hey, that's really not that big of a deal yep. and who has a different perspective on it. So yeah. take people inside and outside the church. That's
1: good. That's great. And, uh, and I'll add something too that, you know, as a small group leader here at the table, I think everything we're talking about here can also apply to their lives and their ability to serve in our ministries week in and week out Mm. too. That uh, This is one of the reasons why I think it's so important for you as a youth ministry leader to know what's going on in your small group leader lives. And that way we can walk them through, Mm -hmm. if we're in a healthy place, to walk them through the best ways to cope and process and stay healthy
0: uh, as well. Um, Can I say that this is such a perfect reason of why we should have co-leaders in, in small groups is that there have been so many people who have stepped away from ministry because there has just been something that have that has taken them out that they're not able to lead in that moment. But when when we're That's able great. to put people side by side with each other to lead groups together, that we're prepared when these kind of seasons come, A, they've got somebody to walk through this with them who's not just, you know, the key leader at the church or the youth pastor or whatever. But then also on a practical level, it's not someone... Quitting volunteering because they're in a yeah. difficult season, but they're kind of taking a little bit of hiatus, and you've got somebody else there who's sorry. I'm kind of going on a tangent, but no, it's But just, I think you're so it's, right about it's that. such a it's such an important thing.
2: I think you're so right. That's exactly the story of my own life right now, and I mm. think it's probably yours too. We serve at the same church that requires multi-year commitments. So I'm in at the end of a four-year commitment with a group of girls. I don't think I could have committed to that in good conscience if there wasn't a co-leader because there's no guarantee life is not going to happen yeah. in a four-year period and it for sure has and there were times where each of us had to take a month off or yeah. two months off but I think it's easier to get longer commitments when there's more than one person yeah
1: totally and uh, as a final as one final thing we I do have a, a resource I want to mention that Brett wrote so we have a blog post a super super amazing, terrific blog post on a, Thanks, on the Orange Students blog called Processing Tragedy and Grief as a Student Ministry Leader. So um, and if you are uh, facing something right now, something tragic, uh, this is the blog post for you. Uh, it will meet you exactly where you're at. And at the end of that uh, blog post, you can actually, uh, there's a link to reach out to Brett if you need to talk to somebody as well. So if you don't have that pink balloon friend, uh, Brett can <laughs> Brett can be that person for sure. you, at least uh, at least for a season or at least for, for, sure. uh, for a moment. Um, so we want to make sure that you heard about that too. And we'll have a link to that uh, in the show notes for this episode, which you can find at rethinkingym.org. Well, thank you guys so much for sharing, being uh, a little vulnerable as we talked about what happens when real life uh, meets us as ministry leaders. And uh, we want to hear from you. We would love to hear what it looks like for you to lead your ministry through life's challenges and life circumstances. And the best way to do that is to join the conversation happening in our Orange Students Facebook group. You can just search that on Facebook or visit our show notes for a link. Again, that's at rethinkingym.org. Until next time, thanks for listening.